0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel, And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season four, episode 16, Crunch Time.
1: Mary, what happened this week? David can't handle being broken up with Donna, doing his radio show, and studying for finals all at the same time. His radio boss, Howard, is all like, you know what we will fix that? Meth. And orange juice for some reason. David comes home in the morning all energetic and talks to Donna, making her think everything between them might be okay, but then he crashes, maybe misses his music theory final, and acts like a dick to Kelly. David does more meth to do radio and is surprised when he feels like shit again once it's worn off. Also, he's a dick to Donna some more. David finds Howard because he's out of meth to do. Howard's like, fuck, you're a mess. Let's go do downers with my friends to make you feel less shitty before I can get some more meth tomorrow. Donna is trying to be sweet to David, even though he broke up with her on Christmas, but more importantly, her birthday, and he's still acting like an ass. After David's confusing, methy behavior, she gets all sad and starts avoiding the apartment so she doesn't have to run into him. Callie finds Donna listening to David's radio show in the middle of the night. Donna is still convinced she's done something wrong, but Kelly's like, nah, girl, your boy is on drugs. Donna chooses to believe his behavior is because he's hurt. Howard gives David drugs again, but says it's the last time. Oh, also, Andrea meets her new RA, Kathy, who has the same haircut as Dan. Dan requested to be transferred to a new dorm. Apparently, Jesse and Andrea agreed not to talk during finals, but Jesse changes his mind and talks his way into Andrea's dorm to surprise her. They make out and make Donna sad.
2: Okay. So, yeah, I was basically completely wrong last time when I was like, oh, it's going to be like David being like, Donna, get over it. Everything's normal. And then Herb not wanting to talk to him. Hmm. Because, yeah, now David is just snapping at Donna over everything when she's like, I just want to still be friends with you.
0: Yeah. Or like think that everything's going to be fine or literally just be cool about stuff. And David's still a jerk. Which I
2: I really love that one of the first scenes you see for this storyline is Donna talking to Kelly and literally being like, I can't believe he broke up with me on Christmas because I wouldn't have sex with him. Yeah. I mean, th- that's it. There's There's no other words
0: to say. I know. I mean, it just baffles me that he's still mad. Like, he's the one that broke up with her and he's still treating everyone poorly.
2: He's just a little like pissy boy. Yeah, like he comes in and he's like, "Where are my notes?" She's like, "Oh, on the couch." How are you doing? And he's like, "Shut up, Don. I hate you."
0: Yeah, oh, I have four finals, two term papers, and a radio show every night. It's like David. Everybody has finals right now.
2: Okay, I wrote that down too, and I was like, "Why are you taking so many classes like this?"
0: Yeah, like like if that's six classes, that's eighteen. That's an eighteen hour course load presumably if they are all three hour credits
2: and like if you want to say okay well he's not that dumb and he's only taking like a four or five which is closer to normal rather Mm -hmm. than stretch and one of them is like you're going to get a term paper and a final that's not first semester freshman year work like English 101 is not making you do that no he's just being a jerk yeah, because the next scene you see with him, I think, is when he's at the radio station. He's talking to Howard. And he's like, I've got finals and classes I've hardly been in. Like, that's not anyone's fault but your own.
0: Right. Like, he's the one that's been skipping class. He's the one that's been, like, sleeping through it, not doing any of his, not just schoolwork, but then, like, anything around the apartment. Like, he's truly just been, like, a low life this semester and now he's like all stressed out about his finals like bro wake up and also like I understand that like the easy way here with the radio show is just say yeah let's rebroadcast an old show because that I mean that does make sense but like Howard says why don't you use this like Stress and make it relatable because I'm sure there's people out there that are also feeling this way. Because guess what, David? World doesn't revolve around you. Oh, I know. Like, and think about it Donna would have done that
2: totally. Like, she would have shown up and just been like, Oh my gosh, guys, we're gonna have like an hour of study music and like get pumped and get you through
0: the night because I know you're all pulling all nighters just like I am. Oh my god, she totally would have made like a study playlist like yeah absolutely like hey guys here's a quick um here's four songs in a row to really help your brain you know energize, get energized or something like that like she absolutely would because she's smart <laughs> and she's good at radio and who really actually knows if David is good at radio because we've never actually heard him do it other than like at West Bev <laughs> yeah because
2: that's the thing is you know, I love that Howard is like, okay, we're going to shut all the blinds and then I'm going to say the word crystal meth to you.
0: <laughs> no one can see my mouth moving, but they sure could possibly hear me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is the thing. He gives him crystal meth. David stays up all
2: night, no problem, for the radio show, and then starts rapping about healthcare or something. I missed it. <laughs> he definitely mentions rapping about healthcare because he comes back into the apartment the next morning and is like did you hear my radio show uh it was so great I was so on it I did this amazing rap blah 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 and while
0: he's cleaning up Mm -hmm. that was hilarious to me he like straightened the bar stools and (laughs) was like semi cleaning up and I'm like okay maybe David should take crystal meth I know. I was like, I think this is the best roommate David's ever been. Right, and he straightened three chairs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he like wrapped up that little like toy cuz I mm-hmm. guess they have, you know, some form of a game system. Mhm. Oh, I choose to believe he just has Duck Hunt and he just plays Duck Hunt <laughs> all day long when he's supposed to be in class. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he's like bust through the door cleaning up the apartment he's talking about going with the flow he's like yeah like things happen and we just gotta let them happen because if if you try to make them not happen then these happen anyway like who knows what he was saying and then he gives donna like some sense of false hope or whatever because he's like don't worry everything's gonna be fine we're just gonna go with the flow yeah like that was the
2: thing. she's being so nice to him and he's finally being nice back to her of course like She's going to get the wrong opinion right now because I think this is when Kelly comes in. She's like, what's up with Motor Mouth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's literally like, Kelly, I'm going to go clean the kitchen, but you sit right here because I have to tell you about the wrap. And then he's like, oh, where's our orange juice? As should be expected, he crashes and he wakes up in a horrible mood.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And he has a final in 30 minutes. And thank God for Donna because I think she was the one that walks in and like, or no. I think Kelly walks Kelly. in. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly walks in this time. Donna walks in the next time he oversleeps. That's right. And Kelly walks in and was like, Hey, don't you have a final soon? Which they, sh- I mean, sure, it's nice of them to know his schedule, but like they should not be mothering him and, and getting him up and making sure he's going to go take whatever. So, but he's still an asshole to her. And he was just so up and now he's so down and he, ugh, he's just not helping himself here.
2: I know. And, Like, the next time we see him, presumably he's gone and taken the final, but then he goes back to Howard to ask for more meth. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, I was having some issues with this guy being like, no, I'm not going to give it to you. I only have a little bit left, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine, here it is, but next time you have to pay for it. Like, later in the episode, he's like, don't call me a dealer. But this is exactly what, like, they say stereotypically dealers do.
0: Yeah, they, like, get you hooked on it, like, free, and then they start charging you. There's like, no, nah, man, I can't give you any free stuff anymore, and now you got to pay for it. Like, that's classic dealer behavior. I mean, I don't know from real-life examples, but, like, yeah. Like, I don't know. It just felt super weird that Howard was like, yeah, 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 here you go. Wait, no, I feel weird about this. No, nah, it's fine. I'll give you this stuff. It just... Ugh,
2: like, truly, this man is very stereotypical meth of just, like, here's here's a bunch of meth. Let me show you how to do it in mm-hmm. orange juice, which I still don't think is real.
0: Like I don't I, know a whole lot about meth. I know you can do a pipe and you can inject it, but I've never heard of drinking it.
2: Right. Like, it's a powder, so you, you could technically drink it all you want, but right. – when it comes to powders, I feel like people normally, like, yeah, snort it or, you know, it, yeah, you can smoke. I Who knows? Feel, <laughs> I, right, I'm sitting here being like, we shouldn't talk about how to do drugs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know enough about how to actually execute the drug taking process. <laughs> but, like, one thing
2: I will say is the second time he comes to Howard and asks for drugs and Howard, like, hands him this tiny little baggie full of drugs, he dumps it all out on the table into a little pile mm-hmm. and then they cut away so i was like oh is has he like evolved to snorting it but then we never see we only see him drinking it yeah it's like i don't i don't know that david knows how to do drugs
1: i think he was counting how much he had <laughs> one powder piece two powder right? piece. <laughs>
2: Because, yeah, what did he do? Like, dump it all out, just stare at the pile, and then scoop it back in?
0: Like, ooh, 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 okay. Is that more than last time? I don't know. One powder piece? Two powder?
1: (laughs) If he was still up, he'd have the energy to count all of it, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, like...
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh. I think it's the next time we even see him is, again... The next morning, he's already had the radio show. His alarm's going off. He's, like, super slept in. It's 1130. And he, like, pulls the little baggie out again to just mm-hmm. look at it in mm-hmm. bed.
0: Yeah, it looked like he was about to take it, drink it, inhale it. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Well, never and then, know. And then Donna walks in. He's like, oh, shit, and, like, buries it in his blankie and donna's like trying to be all nice and shit and compliment the radio show and she ends up saying like oh the little segment on i forget what it was now it was really funny and Dave was like well it wasn't meant to be funny she- eh.
2: the segment i think was another rap about children on a playground and death oh god Yeah. So when she was like, oh, that was really funny. And he was like, it's not supposed to be funny. I was like, it doesn't sound like it's supposed to be funny, but I do appreciate where you're coming from, Donna. (laughs) But like, it gets really weird here because she's like, this is a really good day to sleep in. I'm actually tired, too, and tries to crawl in bed with him.
0: Well, yeah, because she has that false sense of hope. So she's like, oh, this is an opening to be close again. But too much.
2: That's the thing is like, I've. I'm not on anybody's side at this point. Like, he was a dick for breaking up with her over sex, but he should have done it a long time ago. And then, like, her reading the idea that he's still talking to her as an opening. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, no, Donna, don't do that. Like, when you break up with a person, you need to, like, give them a little bit of space. You just can't. Don't do that. Also... David wore a hat to sleep.
0: (laughs) He's really into his little beret. He loves his little like backwards like beret thing. I just I couldn't get over it. It It's like
2: Donna, I feel like you should know something's wrong because he slept in a hat. (laughs) That's not a
1: thing. Did he change out of that outfit this entire episode? Oh, I don't know. I didn't pay attention, but I would
2: bet he didn't.
0: I know he at least like wore it for two radio shows because I remember because like I think that was what it was is he went to sleep after one show, woke up and it like went to sleep and woke up at 1130 and then just kept wearing that outfit.
2: Yeah, because like right after this, he runs to campus to find more meth. Yeah. And like he keeps talking about meth at school. Right. Like, bro, people are going to hear you. And then he's a jerk to Steve. Okay, Steve is still pissing me off. But, like, yeah, this he didn't deserve. He was just like, hey, David. And David was like, what do you want?
0: Yeah. You love Steve. I, think I out, know you do. I think out of all the kids, I still call them kids. They're kids. Out They're of kids. all the kids, perhaps David should not be the one to take drugs the most. Because clearly his moody, he's the most dramatic and moody out of all of them. And we're including Brenda in this, in this ranking here. I mean, I don't know. Like, he just, I didn't realize Steve, I mean, Dylan, I mean, God. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize David was this dramatic and like, I don't know. He just seems so moody all the time like without drugs but then put drugs on it and it goes up you know more levels it's just it seemed to go from like annoying little brother to this monster
2: yeah i mean i i easily could have handled high school david if that was like the level of him for the entire show but as soon as they got to Mm -hmm. college all he does is yell at him Senior year is really when he started yelling at everyone. Right. He's just
0: too much. Maybe Kelly should be focusing more on her psych stuff with David, not Dylan. Oh my gosh,
2: I loved that she called herself Dr. Taylor later in the episode.
0: (laughs) By the way. I mean, out of all of them, she's the one that's Actually, like, using her class material to, like, in real life.
2: I would argue that Brenda is using her theater classes or whatever. She even, like, gives us her list of classes at some point in this episode, and I didn't write them down. I didn't either. I do find it really funny that one of the only scenes that Brenda is in, she's just like, I'm taking statistics and romantic poetry and... And intro to theater, and I, I don't know. I think she's taking, like, Lit 101 or something. Yeah, it was, like, English A. But, yeah, that's, that was her whole thing, is just her walking in the hallway and just being like, these are my classes this semester. Mm-hmm. So useful, Brenda. So glad you were <laughs> here.
0: So, yeah, okay. So the last thing we saw was... David being mean and snippy to Steve and then he's like where the fuck is Howard and then he finds Howard and because he wants more meth and Howard's like bruh sorry I can't keep supplying you with meth like every single day like this.
2: Yeah and is this the part where he says like yeah let's go find some downers and like deal with you because you look like shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they disappear to somebody else's house to go do drugs and not go to class more because that's exactly what David needs. And then the next, like, plot point in this storyline, I guess Steve shows up at the beach apartment to talk to David and then he's not there. And they're just like, well, let's just have dinner. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And that's it.
0: Yeah, and, like, this is when the phone rings and – donna doesn't want to talk to david air quotes but also really wants to talk to David. like she wants him to call even if she doesn't want to talk to him like she wants to know that he is wanting to talk to her or um feels bad or whatever and even steve is like sums up with david and um you know this it just feels weird and so yeah they have dinner it wasn't david it ended up being dylan which we'll get to but then poor Donna, she just goes out to the balcony and she just starts sobbing, which is so painful. And then Steve just comes out to comfort her. And that was sweet.
2: I know. Like, see, this is more of the Steve that I like. Yeah. Like, we'll get to his story more in depth. But he, like, shows up at the beach apartment because he's worried about David. The girls invite him to stay for dinner. And he's like, oh, what's for dinner? And he gets that <laughs> little, like, smile on his face. And then he sits through dinner and listens to Donna tell him everything about what's happened to david and then he's worried about both of his friends donna and david Mm -hmm. even though he has a ton of other stuff going on in his life
0: right yeah that's the steve we miss i mean he even says like i know we were tight in high school and since we got to college we've kind of drifted so it you know it seems like he wants to get that back on track especially with all the crap that he's dealing with
2: Mm -hmm. and then
0: it's so like, this next thing that
2: happens isn't really David, but it is kind of, like, tangentially David where Donna starts avoiding the apartment. She's like, I don't want to get yelled at. He's staying out at all hours of the night. He's, like, disappearing throughout the day. He's just yelling at me, giving me mixed signals. So I'm going to go study at Andrea's dorm. And they, <laughs> they, like, get to the dorm. They walk the whole hallway. They're talking. And then I love that Andrea turns around Makes it all the way, like, down eye level with the lock to put the key in it. And that's when she realizes the door is open.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was, like, the worst reveal of, oh, my God, my door is cracked ever. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's
2: it's a one-bedroom room. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not like anything was in there. But they opened. She's like, oh, I guess I left the door open, which Andrea would never. Never. But Jessie is just hiding behind the door to surprise her. Because they've decided that they weren't going to talk during finals. And then both of them were just like, that was a really stupid idea.
0: Yeah. And then it's kind of cute until it's not. Because then they just start making out in front of Donna. And Donna just wants to study. And, yeah. It makes I Donna sad.
2: <laughs> I, lo- I was like, oh, find you someone who looks at you like Jesse and Andrea look at each other. And then I saw Donna and I was like, actually, never mind. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is weird. I know because they're all like mushy, and he's like, "Oh, nice to see you, Donna. Nice to see you, Andrea." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, because Donna's even like, "This is
2: weird, and I should go." And Andrea does the same thing. She's like, "No, no, don't go, Jesse."
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Soup sock. So let's move on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, I guess. We'll assume this is, like, the third night in a row that David's doing his overnight radio show. And after everything that's gone on in Donna's life, she's just sitting in this, like, real comfy-looking pile of pillows with all of her books laid out in front of her, like, listening to David. And she thinks, you know, she's so sad, he's hurting because of me, but, like, David is falling apart on the radio.
0: hmm Yeah. He's, like messing up the band name and song name of whatever song just played he can't find his like papers which you can clearly hear like right in front of him but clearly it's not the right one telling him what story to talk about next or whatever he's like oh crap oh damn it where'd i put it all with where's the paper like whatever and donna's like oh he's just he's just busy he's just stressed with finals he's just you know tired Blah 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 kelly's like um i'm gonna say this to you and i just want you to Hear me on this, and he she's like, I think she's on he's on drugs. I don't think it's too much coffee, and then I think it's, I mean, immediately when she said, I was like, okay, Donna, you gotta listen to her. Like, out of everybody in the group, maybe like the only other person besides Kelly that would really understand this is Dylan, Mm -hmm. and and Kelly like lived through it because number one, her mom was obviously addicted to cocaine for a long time, and um is an alcoholic and then number two she herself took those diet pills last year so she could see the behavior and see the mood swings and obviously like sense when somebody's tweaked and that certainly defines david
2: yeah like he's he's acting really secretive he's acting like up and down and all these kinds of things like you could hear it on the radio station and yeah like donna doesn't really want to believe it but i really appreciate that kelly is the one that's like no no I can see yeah. this happening.
0: Yeah, for sure. And again, and- like, I do really like that they're focusing more on Kelly and Donna's friendship this year, because I think for a while we were getting a lot of Kelly and Brenda. And then obviously there's a lot of drama, um, not just with Dylan, but just other stuff, too. But so Donna kind of fell to the wayside a lot. Um which is fine because that obviously means she's not that dramatic and she's a good friend and stuff. But like, I think we needed to see number one Donna have more, more in general. But then we kind of needed to see this Kelly and Donna friendship kind of get back on track because they clearly have been friends for a long time. So it's just kind of nice to see that they have a really healthy relationship and that they can talk to each other like real like this.
2: Yeah. And I, I really appreciate the like beach apartment setup, even Mm -hmm. now that like this breakup has happened, that David is in there too. So you've got like a Kelly and David, like we're going through some stuff, but we're still going to try and be brother and sister. But now that we're talking about it, I just want to say like when Steve makes that comment of like, what if I moved into the beach apartment and take over David's bedroom? I was like, that's a friendship I need to get back to is like Steve, Donna and Steve and Kelly.
0: That's true. He would make it's. It's like weird to think, but he would truly, I think, become one of the girls <laughs> in like the best way. Like he would gossip with them. He would absolutely want to go shopping. Like spa then, day. Yes, yeah, but oh my God, Steve would love a spa day. He Steve, would love a good mask. Steve to me is kind of like Schmidt. Oh, he is. Oh, he <laughs> needs a douchebag jar. He does. Oh, my gosh.
2: And if he lived in the apartment, they could say, like, jar.
0: Exactly. Because you know he would say something insensitive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he says I'm, – I'm sure he didn't in this episode, but I bet he actually did. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. I know where he did. I got it. I'll save that for the Steve storyline. But, like, Perfect. he will always say something insensitive that you can just jar.
0: Yep. Or just, like, say something selfish or, like – Whatever, and then yeah, they'll just point to it. But yeah, and and he's already proven that he can be there for them too, because like the dinner scene or whatever, we didn't hear it all, but we know what happened.
2: Mm-hmm. And then yeah, like the last thing that really happens with David is we're at the DJ booth, and he's like in the middle of his show, and Howard shows up, and they start talking about the drugs again. And he's like, "No, no, no, I have money this time. I'll give you money." La la la. And Howard is like, "I regret giving you any drugs," and then gives him drugs.
0: I know, that's the thing. It's like, dude, if you're not gonna if you're gonna say like this was a mistake, stay with it. Stop giving him drugs, man. And
2: I love David being like, Do you want some? I have some juice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well, baby David, we we don't need orange juice to do meth. Or maybe we do. I don't know. Cause at one point, uh Howard calls it crank, which is that another word for meth? I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, But, like,
2: here's – that's the thing is, like, Howard spends his time being, like, don't call me a dealer. I regret giving you all these drugs, blah, blah, blah. But he never actually, like, explains how to do drugs to David. He, at some point, is, like, this is not supposed to be an everyday thing. And I was, like, well, you gave him a ton of it two days in a row.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he just told him what to do, not, like, how often or – what the side effects are or whatever like it just sounds like you mix this with juice and you're done
2: yeah which like is not on Howard but he also could have just been like bro you can go buy caffeine pills at CVS and like read the back of the label Mm-hmm. exactly like it's it's just weird Howard has put himself in a weird relationship with David that I don't think he thought through and I kind of I put a little bit of the blame on him for being like, here's a whole bunch of meth and not being like, this is a seven day supply of meth.
0: Yeah. Or even just like, like you said, jumping to a caffeine pill, not all the way to crystal meth. I
2: know. (laughs) But of course this is like teen drama. I actually looked it up and there is a whole meth storyline in Degrassi because why wouldn't there be? And it's the same thing of just like, oh, you're sad? Want to do meth about it?
1: Isn't that always how it goes? <laughs> it really
0: is. I can't tell you how many times I've been offered crystal meth when I had a bad day. <laughs> I know,
2: right? Um, Caitlin, are you sad? You, know, you want to smoke some crank and talk about it? No, I want to drink it. You want to clean your apartment obsessively while we just dump this all out and count the little
0: molecules? Do I ever? <laughs> Actually, let's rap about it. Ooh, okay. I'll make it funny, but like not funny.
2: Yeah, this is going to be like a really important rap that talks about the healthcare problems that are facing our nation. But with like a, you know, upbeat. yeah no it's like so meaningful at three o'clock in the morning you're really gonna love this rap
0: exactly so yeah okay David's addicted to meth he's a dick addicted to meth come on I know you guys got that one (laughs) I love
2: it (laughs) who who is that band that was like mildly popular when we were in middle school that was like I'm a dick I'm addicted to you. Was that That's Simple it, Plan? Yes, it was. Yes! <laughs> That's what I was referencing. Okay, good. That's what I heard. And then I was like, I cannot remember the name of this band. Mm-hmm.
0: Because it was like, it, it works in two ways. Because, like, for Simple Plan. But then also, he was a dick this entire episode. So, yeah. Double no, meaning. So good.
1: That song's from 2002.
0: Aw. Classic classic middle school um emo early like like baby emo stages I was gonna say it's like that
2: emo pop that you were like they all dress in black and they wear armbands and they do their music videos on top of rooftops
1: yeah. it's With rain.
2: <laughs> it means
1: something mom
0: yep don't you understand no you can't understand <laughs>
1: My my dad gave me the simple the album that that song was on for Christmas one year, but um, the rule was he had to listen to all of it first to make sure it was appropriate for me. Yep. Oh, to B twelve again.
0: Do you okay? Speaking, speaking of, do you guys remember the first CD that you got that had the parental advisory warning on it?
1: My Chemical Romance. Mm. Um, three cheers for sweet revenge. Yep, okay. I think mine was Eminem.
0: Hmm. Yeah, mine was actually Lincoln Park Hybrid Theory. Nice, nice. I know. That was a good time. That album, man, that was a good album. That was a very good album. Gosh, I remember them. loving Lincoln Park. Right. Oh, those were the days. Anyway. Yeah. All right, who's
1: <laughs> next? Uh Brandon. <laughs> Brandon promised to keep tutoring Deshaun in exchange for Randall dropping the charges against Steve. Brandon goes to Deshaun's dorm to find Deshaun has already read and understood two chapters of his sociology textbook. Deshaun has a twin sister named Natasha who told him he should actually learn things while he's at college. Brandon's like, ah, sisters, I have one of those. And then they study. Brandon shows up for the final and is sad that Deshaun isn't there. He berates Professor Randall for fucking with Deshaun's future. Professor Randall basically says, Deshaun, gotta take-home final, mind your own business, and find a new sociology professor next semester. Brandon studies while listening to Deshaun's basketball game on the radio. Deshaun gets injured during the game and Brandon gets to say, I told you so, I guess. Brandon visits Deshaun and his broken knee. He has to get surgery and can't play for the rest of the season. But Deshaun got a C on his test all by himself. Brandon says he'll be Deshaun's study buddy even if he's not his official tutor.
2: Okay. First and foremost, Brandon has agreed to continue tutoring Deshaun through the end of the semester. (laughs) Deshaun studies on his own and gets a passing grade without Brandon's help. And they even have a conversation where Brandon's like, did I do this? And Deshawn says, no. <laughs> then we find out going into next semester, Deshawn is like, you want to still be my study buddy slash tutor? But he didn't do anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very clear that Brandon sucks as a tutor. So maybe just Deshawn just wants a friend, which cute. But so cute. But also find a different friend.
1: Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the idea my- that... Why Brandon?
2: (laughs) The idea that it has been this entire semester and that Brandon has to be like essentially bribed to keep doing this. And he shows up and Deshaun is like super into sociology and is like, oh man, this is just like basketball and what I grew up with. And then he says, oh yeah, it was my twin sister, Natasha, that taught me, like made me do all this stuff. I was like, Brendan, it's been an entire semester. You clearly didn't try. You don't even know he has a twin sister when you have a twin sister.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very clear, like they've kept things very surface level. But then I think I mean, I understand they, they clearly want to keep this around and in and, and relevant in the main plot, which is great because I really like A, this actor, and B, I feel like Deshaun's a pretty charming dude so I I, I'm going to like him but I just feel like why what's in it for Deshaun because like essentially Brandon has kind of bullied him in a way because he's like been really mean to him about his intentions when it comes to being at college it's like he's so jealous that another kid would get a full ride to play basketball and like oh, surprise, surprise, not really care about school. Like, not everybody gets a full ride to a D1 school and equally cares about the academic side. I mean, you see all the time student-athletes getting scholarships that this could be their only shot at going to college, right? Like, that happens. And so I just feel like Deshaun isn't really getting a good part of the deal here because Brandon's already kind of been really rude to him and kind of berated him for, like I said, the academic part, but then also just getting special treatment because he is an athlete.
2: Oh, yeah. No, Brandon gets to be extra brandony because of this whole storyline. And, like, I do kind of feel like that does Deshaun a little dirty. Like, mm-hmm. that's not fair to him. He- like, this is not news to anyone. Right. Like, like you said, like, not everybody some people getting their scholarships to go play sports at school is their only chance to go to school. Mm -hmm. And like every single, this is the reason that tutors exist for sports departments, like because they have so many other things on their minds. And yeah, especially with the NBA where you don't have to make it through like three or four seasons before you can declare for the NFL. You can declare for certain sports at 18. You don't have to go to college. So like Deshaun took this opportunity to go to college and like i don't know it's a whole thing.
0: No, 100%. I mean, i don't remember what it was in the early 90s. Um I do know they changed the rule. I want to say it was the year after LeBron or maybe LeBron was one of the last ones that didn't have to go to college. Like you could declare for the draft right out of high school. You didn't have to go to school. And i think it was the year after LeBron um, where they changed it to say you had to have one year of eligibility or, or one one year removed from high school mm-hmm. to then declare now I don't know if they changed it before that and stuff or if it had pretty much been like you can go out of high school since the 70s or 60s or whatever it was but at this point it seems like Deshaun needs college in a way to like better his chances right and like get more film and and all that process but he doesn't need school like he just needs to be here to get to the NBA
2: yeah I don't know but suffice to say like technically Deshaun doesn't even need to do this and this opens up Mm -hmm. a whole different like question about a lot of sports of like you're risking injuring yourself at a younger age if you want to go professional by playing for the NCAA and the NCAA doesn't really take care of a lot of their athletes the way that they should be and Mm -mm. you know there's a whole other issue about you know making money but right these are all things that have nothing to do with any of this because (laughs) Brandon does this whole thing where you know we see the little scene where Sean tells him about Natasha who didn't get the chance to go to college she I think he says works for a minimum wage at a tire factory in tennis Texas Mm mm-hmm and then they get to the final where Deshaun doesn't show up. And afterwards, Brandon like runs into Randall and is like, I'm so sorry. I thought I got through to him and that he would show up, which, no, you didn't. None of this had anything to do with you. At which point, Randall explains that Deshaun had to go do basketball stuff. And so he got to do the final as a take home. And Brandon, Brandon's all over Randall
1: mm-hmm. of like,
2: you're giving away grades. What's he going to make this time in A? You're really denying him of his education. If he can't make it in the NBA, he's going to end up working for minimum wage at a tire factory in Texas.
0: Which Brandon clearly doesn't understand being an athlete in college. He's so badly, like, I think wants to be an athlete in college. And so he just assumes he knows what the process is like. But I'm imagining That if you, especially for basketball, because it can kind of span two semesters, um, you start um, games, but definitely practices November, December, and then it goes all the way through to March, potentially April if your team does well into the NCAA tournament, but They have a lot of games. Like, it's not like football where you have one game a weekend. It's like you usually have a game on Monday or Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday, and then either Saturday or Sunday. Like, that's at least two games a week. And some of those are away games. And so if you have a test or if you have a final or if you have something, you have to take it on the road. You have to take it early. You have to take it later. Like, whatever that may be, I'm sure happened in the 90s as well. And so Brandon clearly doesn't understand. Oh, wait, so there's an away game and you don't just snap your fingers and arrive at the away game. No, you have to drive there or fly there, depending on the transportation situation. So, of course, he's not going to be there if the game's like that night. I Like the
2: idea that he went up early to do press because there were press issues and that professors were understanding of that, like that makes total sense to me. I see no issue with any of these things. Like, and even like he does this whole thing, and you find out later that Deshaun took the test, like in between doing all this press stuff. So he went above and beyond to make sure that this all got done and then had them like fax it back so that it could be graded on time. Crazy. Like, He truly – he went above and beyond as a student athlete and Brandon is just sitting there like shit talking and the comment about the minimum wage at a tire factory in Texas made me so mad and like I think we've had proof a couple of times that 90210 does not value like service work versus like white collar work. Mm -hmm. And they make two comments of it in this episode that I was just like, y'all like – it sucks that she didn't get to go to college, and it makes it's really great that she cares so much about her brother. But like Brandon is using this as like her job isn't good enough,
0: right? Right, and yeah, and we've already seen that happen with Jesse's uh, job as a bartender.
2: Yeah, and then like we'll get there when we get there, but we see it again in this episode. Mm-hmm. Just pisses me off. Yeah, but then it just
0: it just sucks that like again Brandon is trying to go on this huge crusade for somebody who doesn't need it or want it Deshaun finds nothing wrong with this system Randall finds nothing wrong with this system Brandon is trying to do this huge crusade about something that nobody literally like literally nobody cares about
2: no it makes me so mad and then the next time we see this story I just have to point out that Jim is giving accountants such a bad name (laughs) when Jim and Cindy come back from a romantic evening And Cindy's like, he's so glad that we got the early bird special. And he's like, yeah, we saved $13.35. But who's counting? (laughs) Like,
0: Jim, no, stop it. (laughs) Oh, Jim. Ever the charmer.
2: But the whole point is they're listening to the uh, game that Deshaun had to leave early for. And, like, as soon as they start talking about this game and after everything that happened with Brandon, I was like, you know he's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. he's going to get really hurt and he's going to be out for the season and Brandon's going to get to do his like yeah I'm right you do need an education
0: yeah because like we've never seen Brandon watch or listen to a game before so the importance of them actually playing the game on the radio clearly means something's going to happen and it does turns out Deshaun he has to get an arthroscopic surgery so I'm assuming it was an MCL, a meniscus, or an ACL or something like that. The mm-hmm. fact that he's on crutches and in, in a brace tells me that it's something longer term and not just like a six-week thing. And especially since he's out for the season and it's only December or January-ish.
2: January. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, poor guy. You hate to see it.
2: I know. Like, And that was the thing is this next scene. He's really upset about it. And I was like, frankly, he has a right to be upset. Like, it's his body. He's hurt. Something stupid happened. And now he's got months of rehab coming up. And rehab's no fun.
0: No. Especially not for an athlete who, especially for somebody who is really, really eager to get back. Obviously, he cares more about what scouts think of him. He was talking about his potential career being on the line here, which is totally like valid. Absolutely. Think that. But you know, athletes tend to get impatient. Like athletes are kind of bad patients when it comes to rehab because they want to get back to their form as quickly as possible. So they tend to rush things or go a little too hard because they're also super competitive. Mm-hmm. So you, you just hate to see it for Deshaun because you can you can just already feel for him and know that it's going to be a hard road back.
2: Yeah, although he does make the comment, he says like no NBA team is going to go first round for someone whose wheels come off. And I don't know enough about the NBA. I don't follow basketball that much. But I know that, especially in football, you can still go first round when you've had injuries. Like For sure. You just have to prove yourself. But, like, yeah, you can hear him saying in his career, like, this could have ended my career. I could be done. I did something stupid because I got really excited and wanted to showboat instead of just, like, throw it up and make a basket.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit different now. Um, nearly 20 years later, because obviously the recovery times and the doctors and the surgeries and the medicine has gotten a lot better um, when it comes to these type of injuries. But yeah, I would imagine back then, an ACL, MCL, meniscus, something like that, it was probably a lot worse. Recovery time was probably more like a year and a half. Now it's down to like 9 to 12 months. So yeah, I just I hate it for him. And yeah, I think NBA teams wouldn't want to take a risk Right? Like, if you've torn one knee, what's to say you're not going to tear the other or re tear or whatever it is?
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, basing off the assumption of how the NBA is now, where you only have to have one year outside of high, high school, like, mm-hmm. you know, if Deshaun was planning on declaring for the draft at the end of this season after having an amazing season, he can't do that anymore. Right. Realistically, he needs at least one more year of eligibility to prove, like, yes, I'm back to full form. You can see that I'm still okay which does give him a chance of re-injury. It's, it's a lot of sports stuff. I feel like we've <laughs> talked too much. I just suffice to say, Deshaun has a right to feel bad about it, and I feel like Brandon went way too brandony when he has not been an athlete since the first junior year of high school.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the first junior year. Yep.
2: So anyway, let's move on.
0: Yep.
1: Dylan is still hosting his new family members at his house. Erica plays the keyboard with the same enthusiasm as Jim. Suzanne is looking for a job so she can get a house and Dylan can see his sister all the time. Dylan decides he wants to give them some money. $10,000 of money. Jim's like, I don't know about that. He suggests Dylan give her $5,000 and also get her social security number so he can run a background check. Just saying, if Jim was going to give her that amount of money anyway, she'd need to fill out a W-9 so Jim could have that information for the government. Jim, you're an accountant. Why don't you know this? Dylan gives Suzanne the $5,000 and she gets really offended when he asks for her social security number. Which, to be fair, Dylan told her it was for a background check rather than tax purposes. She says Dylan is just like his dad. Dylan comes home to find Suzanne and Erica about to leave, but not without apologizing first. Suzanne is planning to go back to Iowa, not Mississippi, to tie up some loose ends. Dylan's like, let Erica stay here. I'll take her to Magic Mountain. Erica and Dylan talk about Suzanne. Erica hopes Dylan will not be mad at her when she tells him that she took her mom's social security card out of her purse so that Dylan could have it. And she did it because she knew Dylan wanted it for some reason. Also, Brenda is still struggling with romantic poetry class, but luckily Dylan is there to help her study. And by study, I mean play the keyboard with his sister.
2: Okay. There was a little part of me that was like, Mary is going to understand this $10,000 and background checks more than I will. So I'm just going to let that happen. (laughs) I don't know why, but I was just like, you're going to know. I don't need to look this up, but I know someone else is going to know.
1: Um yeah, we have um referral partners who when they bring us business, we we reimburse them for their knowledge or whatever. And if you're going to give anybody more than $5,000, you have to have them fill out this form so that you can report it to the government and yeah, it's basically just a taxpayer ID form. Which like Jim even says later, I'll let them have $5,000.
0: Yeah. Jim
1: Jim like half knows.
0: Right. He's
1: just dumb about it. Like, send, it, <laughs> send the check with the form and say, I'm going to give you this money. I just need you to fill this out. Thank you. It could have been that easy.
2: No this, this whole story gets real messy because, like, yeah, she gets so mad at him. It's $10,000. There's tax issues. And then at the end of it, Erica steals her mother's identity technically. <laughs> like, tell me I'm wrong, though.
0: I mean, you're not. I mean, I don't know how old Erica is. 10? That feels Sure. Right. I don't know, kids. Some it, When they're, like, 6 to 13, I'm like, you're all the same age. Right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, she clearly doesn't understand the value, I guess, of social security numbers or cards or whatever. Um, she's just trying to be close to Dylan, which, totally get it. She's smitten with Dylan. Who isn't at this point? Right? Um, but, yeah, we all knew something like this was going to happen. And Jim even says, like, if Susanna's legit, she won't be mad that you're asking for a background check. Which, sure, that kind of sounds like sound logic to me. Like, I mean, I'd be like, um, okay, but, like, could I give you something else? Like, right? Like, like, could I give you not my identity?
2: <laughs> I Yeah, I feel like I would be like, okay, I will give, like, I will give... Jim, your business yeah. manager, my social security number, when you prove to me that he is a business manager and not like some random who's going to steal my identity
0: right. I think I would have been more concerned with the fact that Dylan wanted her to give it to him, not his business manager. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I still think that sounds logic, you know that she if she was legit and not just looking for money or scamming you or whatever, then she probably would have like understood what you were doing but she doesn't she gets mad um she accuses Dylan of just like being just like jack which who knows what their issues were as travel companions um but Erica and Dylan just absolutely are cute together and sweet together and they're bonding already so that just that's just what makes it messier i so like
2: to kind of bring that back to the beginning of this like Dylan storyline i love that he has, like, bought Erica a keyboard. She's just sitting on the ground, like, playing whatever. I know at some point she plays Swanee River. But, like, she's like, do you want to hear it when it sounds like a trumpet? And he's like, no, I know what a trumpet sounds like. There's no way this sounds like a trumpet. And then it doesn't. And he's like, well, that sounds like
0: a trumpet. Like, yeah, they're so I, cute. I don't know that Dylan or Erica know what a trumpet is. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, they're adorable. They are cute, but that wasn't a trumpet.
2: No, not even a little bit. And I love that she's like, you should buy a second keyboard so we can jam together. Mm-hmm. Which, like, does kind of put me on edge because I'm like, why is he just, like, buying a bunch of stuff for these people?
0: Dylan's giving love language is gifts.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's got money. I understand. Because Kelly even says on the phone when she they first talk, she says, I love you. And Dylan just says, like, yeah, you too. Yeah exactly Uh, so yeah his love language is absolutely gifts between last week and this week not even a question yep and so yeah like they're still staying at his house he's hanging out with erica all this time suzanne is looking for a job and like wants to get her own place wants to do all this stuff and i think like after all this keyboard stuff because at some point brenda and kelly show up and they sing a song that they should clearly know the words to and whatever Suzanne comes back from job interviews and is like I guess people aren't looking for a paste-up artist and I guess I have to go back to waitressing which is the other comment where 90210 clearly looks down on people in service work
0: right like (laughs) because again waitressing can bring you a lot of money I mean I remember like I remember even when um I think I was still in college and I wanted to find a job because I was like done with red coats and I like finally had time on my hands to actually get a job. And I was talking to my mom about it and she was like, Well, have you tried this place? Have you tried this place? Have you tried this place? It was just like literally, it could have been like Chili's or like something like where you guys worked or or something like that, Red Lobster, wherever. And I'm pretty sure I even was like, Well, no, I don't want to do that. My mom was like, Uh uh, you're not going to have that attitude. Like, if you are a server or a waitress or hostess or whatever, and you eventually get to like an upscale restaurant, you make bank and like you, you can make really good money and all this kind of stuff. And so she like stopped that right away. <laughs> and so it is kind of frustrating to hear that here because it's like, yeah, even if she were to go work at the Peach Pit, which Brandon's done it, Brenda's done it, like. technically Matt, All of them have done it. Yeah, exactly. Did it <laughs> Right. Like, that would be a great job. You'd stay close to your daughter. You would stay close to Dylan. You'd, you'd have an income. Like, what?
1: what's the problem here? Yeah, whenever I was looking for jobs, my mom would always be, like, suggesting things. She'd be like, McDonald's might be hiring. You can go work at this place or this place. And, even like, if I made a face at a job she suggested, she'd just be like, any job is better than no job. And it's easier right. to get a job if you already have one.
2: Right. Exactly. Like, And this is – so I looked up what a paste-up artist is, and it is someone who literally, like, sets the layout for newspapers, Mm -hmm. which, like, it specifically said when I looked it up that this was, like, pre-computer era. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that's kind of getting phased out by 1993, but you know what still everyone needs? Servers. True. Like, I – it made me so mad. I was like, no, go get the server job. Dylan should not be giving you money.
0: So just a quick um, tangent and Gilmore Girls reference. (laughs) I knew what a pay up artist was because when Rory was interning for Mitchum at the Stanford Eagle Gazette, he's taking her through the newsroom and talking about like the different departments and they um, said that they call the whatever the paste paste up because it used to be done by and then rory finishes his sentence and saying uh like scissors and paste or something like that and so that's how i knew what it was so gilmore girl yeah
2: <laughs> gosh rory is more equipped to be in 90210 than <laughs> is. yep like i mean i i feel bad when People get like phased out of their jobs because technology has gotten ahead of them, and they don't have like you know the education to catch up with it. But like, I still can't get over the fact that she was like, "I guess I'm gonna go have to ba- go back to waitressing." Mm-hmm. Like, I just I'll never get over it. But then that is what you know prompts Dylan to go to gym to be like, "I want to give them ten thousand dollars so they can get back on their feet," which Jim shuts that down and says, you can have $5,000 and I want to run a background check. And when she passes the background check, I will give her the other five. And I mean, to Dylan's credit, he listens to Jim and is like, okay, I guess that's a good point. I'm going to do it. He gives her the money and is like, I know this is a really weird thing for me to ask, but my business manager wants to do a background check on anybody I work with. Mm -hmm. At which point she yells at him, crumples the check up, throws it back in his face and says, I am not for sale.
0: Right. Which I didn't really understand that comment. Like, I am not for sale. I don't. I, my
2: best guess is that it has to do with his dad and her being his, like, travel mm-hmm. partner. But, like, in actuality, I have been on edge about these people, I guess, because I'm an accountant like Jim and he's just like, people come out of the woodwork when you get money. And I'm very skeptical about this woman. And when he says he wants to run a background check and she just yells at him, Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that means you have something to hide.
0: Right. Or, like, what's the real reason here? Because clearly it's not because Dylan is just, like, Jack. Because, like, that's not – I mean, you don't know Dylan. Yeah. Like, anyway. And, yeah, so then, like, later on they talk about the money thing and he – this is where Dylan's kind of, like, bleeding heart comes out. Because he's like, oh, never mind. We don't have to do it. I trust you, which is backwards because, like, you don't just give in when somebody, like, clearly objects to whatever you are asking them to do. That's just not how things work. But he does it anyway. And then Suzanne and Erica are like, I'm just kidding. We're going to go back to Iowa, which I don't know if that was, like, on purpose because, like, Mary calls it out, like, Iowa, not Mississippi, so, we don't, I don't know if that was on purpose or the writers just like forgot that they had her be in Mississippi and, and maybe Mississippi wasn't her first and only place she's been. Who knows? But it was a mistake.
1: <laughs> so, I don't think they actually said she was from Mississippi, but I know they never said Iowa. Um, but she apparently lived like on a flood plain in Iowa on the Mississippi and then lost everything mm. in a flood. But the only thing that she had said was the Mississippi, so I just assumed Mississippi.
0: <laughs> well, no, I assume the same thing, the Mississippi flood, and especially because Louisiana and Mississippi are prone to flooding because they're, like, technically below sea level.
2: Which, also, did you hear Suzanne say, sorry?
1: Yes. I was like, you're Canadian.
2: <laughs> I was like, lies. You are not from Iowa.
0: Yes, 100%. I heard sorry. But, yeah.
2: So, like, all of this, she says, sorry. (laughs) She accepts the money. And then this woman is just like, well, I guess we're flying back to Iowa instead of taking the bus. I was like, this is why you have no money.
0: Right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that also be a red flag for Dylan to hear that and be like, wait, hold on. I didn't give you $5,000 to fly to Iowa first class you know not that she's going first class but like
2: but like last minute
0: right like I gave it to you to build a life
2: yeah no should have been a red flag wasn't and then Erica doesn't want to go and I was really convinced that Suzanne was going to be like no you have to go with me because they were just going to take the 5,000 and bail Mm mm-hmm But then Erica like wants to say Dylan's like, oh, well, we'll go to Magic Mountain as soon as I'm done with my finals. Erica decides to stay also still a little weird because Suzanne barely knows Dylan.
0: Yeah. Like, Like, why would you just let basically a stranger keep your daughter?
2: Yeah. Like, I don't care if you've known him for a week. Like, he could still be a murderer
0: Mm -hmm. or just a bad guy.
2: Yeah like he you could leave and he could just like dump your daughter with somebody like you just don't know you don't know him well enough to do this but she leaves it she leaves Erica with Dylan Erica steals her social security card to give it to Dylan so that Dylan and Suzanne won't fight anymore and it gets really weird and I guess Dylan's really gonna run that background check because why not I
0: hope so I hope he does. I feel like we need some sort of payoff there.
2: As It's literally just like, why not? You already have
1: it. And I'm pretty sure Dylan is convinced that nothing's going to be found.
0: Mm-hmm. Why Stay not? Stay tuned on that.
1: So unrelated, I was like watching this episode trying to figure out who this actress reminds me of. And I looked her up. She's Carrie Keene. And looking at other pictures, I finally figured out. She reminds me of Cheryl Blossom's mom. Oh, my gosh. No, I feel like that's why I don't trust her.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I totally understand. You never trust a Blossom. Okay.
1: Anyway. Steve? Steve! Steve's brothers are still mean to him because they think he snitched to not get in trouble for breaking into his professor's office. He hopes to get back into their good graces by being very good at volleyball, except stupid John Sears won't let Steve play sad face steve decides to tell mike ryan that he knows somebody tipped off the campus police he also says he knows it was john sears john and steve agree to settle this in the test steve comes by the beach house looking for david lamenting the loss of a friendship they apparently had in high school kelly and donna tell steve to stay for dinner because friendship is important steve tells kelly about the test which will end with either him or John Sears getting voted out of the house. Steve is pretty sure he's not going to have brothers anymore and asks if he can move into David's room. I say he can and should. John Sears is a big dummy and tells Keith he ratted out on Steve and also the very reasons why right before the test. Keith kind of breaks the rules and talks during the thing, but it's worth it. Keith votes against John, and so does the guy Steve gave a moon pie to at the beginning of this episode. Lots of other guys follow suit. Steve watches John's smug face break and laughs.
2: I'm glad that this got some weight because I feel like I needed it, but so much was so dumb. Like, starting with. Which part? The moon pie? (laughs) Like, the first thing. That we see with Steve is him showing up to talk to Brandon, blah, blah, blah. Apparently the Keg brothers think that Steve ratted them out to get in trouble and his dad's like, don't make waves. But like, why wouldn't the Keg brothers have heard by now if Steve told like the university president that they were hazing him and that's why he did what he did?
0: Right. Like, I feel like that end is very easily tied up because there's a very clear, or at least should be. Very clear consequences or very clear actions that happen right after.
2: Yeah. And then we, you know, jump to there's an intramural volleyball game that Steve has to sit out for, even though we have seen Steve be amazing at volleyball.
0: He's wonderful at volleyball.
2: And then I didn't write his name down and I feel really bad about it, but I didn't think he'd come back. But the like fat kid sitting next to Steve staring at the moon pie in his bag just, like, I don't know. I I had a visceral... I was like, why is this man just staring? Like, he needs more of a character than just, like, you're going to finish that moon pie?
0: Yeah, it was, like, a total, like, can I have your tots moment, you know? It, it was kind of very fat-shamey
2: without, I think, realizing how fat Jamie it was.
0: Yeah, like, they could have but had a better it. way to introduce him. Well, and then
2: even, like... John Sears comes out and is, like, super mad because I guess they're down in volleyball or something. I didn't pay attention. And he, like, puts the Moon Pie guy in. And I think, like, Steve even takes it of, like, that guy's fat. I'm good at volleyball. Why aren't you letting me play? So his name is Munce. Thank you.
0: And he does come back. I remember Months as a character. He's, like, right. not huge, but he's kind of like the uh, – shoot I already forgot his name the Tony Miller in college oh okay okay because yeah I mean
2: he does come back later in this episode and at that point like I just called him moon pie because I couldn't remember his name
0: (laughs) oh let's call him moon pie (laughs) I mean
2: I love him I totally understand I don't think if I was sitting next to someone I would just be like can I eat that moon pie in your bag like that's Steve's moon pie
0: I also don't think I would request it during the middle of a game, but hey.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was a weird thing, but I do like this boy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's, yeah, so John Sears is essentially freezing Steve out on purpose. Um, I thought they were going to lose the game. Like, I thought for sure that they were going to, like, not put in one of their better players and Steve and just lose, but they end up winning, which we find out. Later, I guess I, th- I think it was just a comment in passing or something. I
2: think it was like during the final because
0: mm-hmm. they were
2: like, "Oh, you didn't get to play," and he was like, "Yeah, I got to go in for two minutes of garbage time."
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, which is a good transition because he's talking about confessing to the president. Like he hasn't done it at this point, and he's talking about seriously considering confessing to the president about hazing.
2: Yeah, and he even says like, "I'm going to name names to Mike Ryan," and so the mm-hmm. next time you see, they're at the keg house. It's Steve and Mike Ryan in one room and then Keith and John Sears and like one other guy are walking in. And I really love that they're like, oh, are you mad? You didn't get to play volleyball. And Mike's like, no, he's got fish to fry. And then Steve goes, I got whales to fry. Mm-hmm. That was, that was my first guess for quote of the week, but I'm not going with it.
0: Well, I cannot, I will not confirm nor deny.
2: Yeah. But so this is where he accuses, uh, specifically like John of turning him in and John starts yelling and escalating and is like, how could you even consider his word over mine? And I love Steve being like, he didn't answer the question.
0: Right. That's the thing. It's like, it's kind of a parallel with Suzanne. It's like, Suzanne doesn't outright say like, no, I'm not grifting you. And John does not say, no, I didn't set you up. Like it's, and he just gets so angry. Just like Suzanne gets so angry. It's like Come on. Like, even just try to regulate your emotions here. If you're innocent, be innocent.
2: <laughs> this is this is like a beautiful parallel that I don't think I actually realized earlier. Yeah. And now I even – I trust Suzanne even less now because John Sears a scum.
0: Well, that's certainly true. Gosh, he's so Dan Scott. Like, I cannot <laughs> – even more so in this episode because he got so angry. He is so Dan Scott and I just – have a feeling if you guys ever watch one tree hill you're gonna be like oh my god what is john sears doing in tree tree hill north carolina because it they are one in the same
1: when he yelled i was like "There, there's that guy there's that guy from that <laughs> show
0: exactly like and he gets angry so much in the show like oh my god oh
2: oh and oh, yeah gosh. like He he just escalates. He is yelling. He tries to, like, throw Steve on top of the pool table, and they have to pull him off of it. And then he says, like, we're going to put this to the test. Trademarked. And I love that Steve is (laughs) even like, yeah. And they're like, Steve, you don't know what that is.
0: He's like, I don't care. Let's do it. Let's do it right now.
2: (laughs) I know. So then we find out that the test is where just, like, one of them has to be voted out of the keg house.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Which – is fine when we actually get to the point where it's time for the test and they just have to sit there silently and be voted on and nobody gets to hear an argument I was like this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life
0: that was my thing too it's like wait a minute are all the brothers like up to date on the current events like do they know what's happened in the very beginning do they have John's case do they have Steve's case do they have an impartial third party like what (laughs) yeah yeah like, at some point, I think Steve, when
2: he's at dinner, is just like, I can't win this. I'm going to get kicked out because everyone's going to be on his side and I don't have any evidence. I was like, oh, evidence. Okay. And then nothing.
0: Yeah. It's like neither of them have evidence. Neither of them have an argument. And so, yeah, why would Steve get voted in by all, like, like by everything here? Because he's the newest, the youngest and the less well known. So A, I could see the pledges sticking by Steve, but the pledges don't outnumber the brothers. Well. So how
1: does this happen? <laughs> it's all based on gossip and hearsay.
0: <laughs> right?
2: And that's that's actually what happens. Like luckily, John Sears is like showing up. And I I honestly get the feeling that they were all just like, we're having a special meeting tonight, so y'all have to show up. Yeah. And that's when they were told, like, you have to vote on one of them. Because even Keith is just like, I can't believe that he would think this happened. I, you know, who did blah, blah, blah. And John's like, are you stupid? I did. Which I swear to God, when he was like, Steve deserves to suffer because of what he did with Kelly and what he pulled at the Downey house. I was like, you are such scum.
0: Yeah. He's so, like, self-centered and narcissistic that he's like. This one dude, because I couldn't score with this one girl when I've been seeing multiple others.
2: And a 15-year-old I was preying on. Like, uh,
0: yeah, John Sears is just a bad, bad guy. And he's he's shown his stripes, like, every episode, basically. So you don't feel bad for him when all of a sudden Keith gets up to, like, they okay, so they start, I, I assume they're, like, little black ping pong balls.
2: <laughs> black balls. And...
0: Yeah, black balls. And they said black balls like a hundred times. I
2: know. I was like, they need to stop saying black balls. Black balls. (laughs) Black balls.
0: And so people immediately start putting the black balls in Steve's fishbowl, which starts to mean that Steve is getting voted out. He's getting discouraged. John is all smug. But then all of a sudden, Keith walks up, which again, in One Tree Hill, Dan's brother is Keith. (laughs) And something happens with Keith and Dan. And it's killing me. But Keith walks up and he like sincerely looks at Steve. He looks at John and then he puts his black ball in John's fishbowl. And John's like, what? And gets angry again. He hulks out again. And yeah, they break the rules and start talking. And blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden you see a swing and like months comes by and he puts a black ball on John's fishbowl and like many others do. And Steve just gets to sit there and do his cute little laugh.
2: I know. <laughs> and yeah, like I guess we can presume that everybody after Keith and then months all voted against John and John's going to be out and Keith gets, or er, Keith definitely gets to stay. But so does Steve. And then like mm-hmm. everybody lives happily ever after except John Sears who gets real pissy flies across the country, changes his name, and plays
1: basketball.
0: (laughs) He gets a basketball scholarship to UNC. He blows out his knee his junior year. He marries a girl and – or sorry. He gets a girl pregnant while at UNC the same time, roughly. It was only like a few – well, no, it had to have been freshman year. So John goes back. (laughs) None of his credits. They don't transfer. So he has to start college (laughs) all the way over. (laughs) he gets a girl pregnant in college only like three months after he got another girl pregnant and then they grow up and they're half brothers and it starts one tree hill so what you're saying is 90210 has spawned both
2: one tree hill and parenthood
0: and melrose place
2: legit and for reals melrose
0: place yeah (laughs) yeah And the new 90210 and the new BH 90210. Man, I'm telling you. just
2: And there was a crossover with Full House that we didn't see, but we know is there. (laughs) Right. Oh, gosh. Just spider webs. All over. Just webs. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's like a billion things happened in this episode, but I think that's everything, right?
0: Yeah, it just feels, it just felt a little disconnected because... They didn't mesh a lot, right? Like, Dylan kind of has his own thing. Steve has his own thing. David has a thing that connects a few of them, but like, it's still, you know, was small with Kelly and small with Donna. And then Brandon has his own thing. So it's like a lot of moving yeah. parts.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's still like whiplashy where like we've really gotten into the meat of the season. So like a lot has to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think we covered it all. Mm hmm. I look forward to never seeing John Sears ever again.
0: Well, do we know if this was his last episode?
2: I actually don't and I I have looked it up previously. I didn't look it up this time and nothing that I did look up specifically commented that he's gone forever. So mm-hmm. I have to assume he's back a little bit more. Got it.
1: Yeah, I bet he wants revenge. Yeah. He's
2: just going to plot from UNC and then just like <laughs> show up next season. So there's like My quote of the week, I'm so glad we could, like, kind of glaze over it because it's kind of one of those weird scenes that's, like, people cross over storylines because I've been saving it because I thought it was so good and I really hope it's it. Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So when Steve is having dinner at the beach apartment and he makes the comment of, like, oh, I could just move into David Silver's room if I get kicked out of the K house, if you'll have me, and then Kelly goes... Well, I've already had you, and then Steve goes. Ah, 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 ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much.
0: It was excellent, but it was not my quote of the week.
1: I, object- I have a guess.
0: <laughs> okay, go for it.
1: Okay, it's also when Steve is at the beach house, um, and he's talking to um, Donna and Kelly at dinner. Um, Steve says, David is going to come crawling back to Donna and she goes, huh, like I'd want him.
0: (laughs) Gotta love a good, confident Donna, but no, not my quote of the week.
1: Well, shit, that's what I wrote down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've already said it, and it was, in fact, whales. I've got whales to fry. (laughs) Damn it that was my other guess I just I don't know it just it spoke to me
2: I just whales <laughs> I just love that he was like he's got a fish to fry and Steve's like whales not yeah. <clears throat> fish
0: go no, up the ante here Mike Ryan is <laughs> I whales
2: just, I would have
0: loved if Steve were like
2: whales are mammals <laughs> <laughs> just like kept going
0: no you know what make it Godzilla's like what like just keep <laughs> going and keep going
1: fucking mars
0: (laughs) oh i love steve i love steve's confidence i know he has this unwavering confidence that's just it's crazy i know i
2: see this is what they do they get me they make me think that he's a shitty person and then they drag me back in
0: well what's what's next week next week we have season four episode 17 And it's called Thicker Than Water.
2: Well, blood is thicker than water.
0: That it is. It's
2: a background check. We're going to get the background check back.
0: What if Suzanne is actually Dylan's mom? That would be so weird. (laughs) That would be so weird. you think she would know that,
2: but maybe not. Oh, my gosh. What if it, like, came out that it, like she was steve's long-lost sister or something they heard just like oh no we're all related (laughs) the walsh twins are actually triplets (gasps) i would love a third walsh i would love a third walsh (laughs) oh my god yeah what if what if jim like ran this background check and was like oh shit she's my kid yeah
0: (laughs) That would be insane.
1: (laughs) That would be so good. I've been worried about the wrong daughter and the wrong McKay the whole time.
0: (laughs) I knew there was something weird about Jack McKay.
2: Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I mean, I know that's not what's going to happen. I feel like we keep coming up with, like, the uber dramatic versions of what actually happens. Like, I I still really want Erica to just be, like, a (laughs) (laughs) 30-year-old.
0: I mean... We haven't rolled that out yet. The background check could still yield some like weird results. So
2: she's never had a child. She's like, right. Who's Erica? <laughs> oh, but we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast.
0: Send us your thoughts, questions, comments, any old little thought you got going through your head about this show, about anything we talk about, or just anything. I mean, we're all just striving for connection right now, so. Just say hi. Just say hi. And uh, you can do that by emailing us at backtopodcast at gmail.com.
1: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
0: And don't forget to go into your favorite
2: podcast app and subscribe, like, rate, review, share with your friends and family, you know. All the different little buttons you can press. We
0: really like it. It gives us a lot of feedback and it helps us get seen. That it does. And it makes us feel good. We just like hearing from you guys, um, like knowing that you're listening and liking what you hear. Or if you don't like what you hear, we like to hear that too, just so we can continue to get better.
2: Yeah. So we will talk to you all next week. And from all of us at Back 2 Podcast, I'm a moon pie.
0: Dang it. That's what I was going to do. I'm Keith.
1: I'm meth with orange juice. <laughs> Bye! Bye.